Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Small Business Show at businessshow.co, episode number 44, Thursday, November 12th, 2015, here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And I'm Shannon Jean in Concord, California. How are you, Dave? I'm good, man. How's business this week? <sighs> business is good. I'm actually in the office because I'm so busy I couldn't go uh, home and uh, record from there. <laughs> well, that, that, that's, a, that's not a bad thing, right? I yeah, mean, you know, that's right. Well, yeah, it is a good thing. Hey, and uh, we're joined this week from one of my good friends, Mick Ginn from Mix Max. Uh, Mick is down in Santa Barbara. How are you, Mick? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Santa Barbara's looking beautiful today. And that is, uh, I could think of worse places to uh, to be working from. I got to yeah. be I got to be yeah. in Santa Barbara a couple of weeks ago for the first time, and uh, and leaving was not the easiest part of the trip. I'll put it that way. Uh, uh, sp- how does New Hampshire look these days? Uh, today it's like rainy and dreary. So, um, huh. you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there well, you go. We're, we're pretty thirsty out here in, in California. So uh, maybe bring some of that rain with you next yeah. time. It's true. I can take nice, long, hot showers and not even think twice about it here. So, <laughs> yeah, we do that when we travel now. I'm getting ready to go to New York for Thanksgiving and my kid, we're telling our kids, hey, you can actually take a long shower because <laughs> when you're at the hotel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nobody will yell at you. I mean, it, we've yep. just got more water than we know what to do with. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yeah. I wish so I Mick, wish there was an easy okay. way to send it your way. It's a business opportunity. And, and I know people are I thinking know. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody said to me, if they can build a pipeline from Alaska. Like, yeah. Why can't we build a water pipe from Oregon? You know, so. exactly. Well, I was thinking if that whole Keystone thing falls through, they just put water in the pipe and yeah. send it down. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Mick, uh, you know, we've, we've done some business and lots of, uh, you know, talks over the years and your company mix max, uh, give us, uh, some history, how long you've been around, what kind of services you offer and just, just tell us your story. Well, I kind of staggered into the Apple Mac world about 25 years ago. I was actually living in Tokyo at the time, and I was working in the advertising industry there, doing TV commercials, uh, doing voiceover work, singing TV commercials, that sort of thing. The typical pre-technical background that you really like to have. Uh, And I would walk into these studios and they'd be running everything on, you know, Macintosh. And this was like late 80s, very early 90s. And I had no experience in computers other than writing my uh, my senior thesis on one. And uh, so I asked, I asked around I'm in the music and, you know, I need to get a computer. I really need to know what's going on. What should I get? And uh, kind of across the board, there was a pretty strong bias towards Macintosh. So that's when I got my first one in the late 80s. And uh, I made the mistake of thinking I could take it apart and sort of, you know, advance the clock speed and things like that. And I got in a whole lot of trouble. So uh, I did the first thing that I knew to do. I was, you know, again, on the other side of the world. I I reached out. The Internet was sort of in its budding phase at that point. I reached out globally and said, who knows about this stuff? And I started meeting a lot of the really interesting people that started websites now and things like that. And. They helped me solve this problem. I finally figured out why my my computer wouldn't boot. And I, I oddly fell in love with it. I was never a mechanical person before I met Apple computers. 
so that was, you know, a good 20, 25 years ago. And then I started consulting uh, as a uh, solo guy, just going out. And initially I wasn't charging for it. I would just ask my friends to buy me a really expensive dinner somewhere. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at, after a point that it became, okay, well, I'll charge a little bit per hour, that sort of thing. And then uh, 10 years ago, or nine and a half, as it were, in 2006, I had a wonderful opportunity to kind of start something new. And we thought, you know, hey, let's try this as a full-time entity. And uh, my wife came up with the idea of Mix Max, uh, which had the kind of catchy little phrase. Sure. And so, yeah, we did the DBA, the Doing Business As, and started and we were off. So we're actually in our 10th year of business as MixMax. Started out as a sole proprietor, of course, and uh, became an S-Core after about three years. Um, so we're MixMax Inc. now. So That's great. Well, congratulations. I mean, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a great story. And and even though this is not a Mac show, uh, I'm, so many people I know, they're in the Mac you know industry. And I, I love mm-hmm. hearing that story because... I think you can, it, it's repeated over and over and over. The person gets their first, you know, Apple, uh, whatever it is, and it makes such a big impact on their life. Right, right. Yeah, that's awesome. So when you were, before you bought that Mac, when you were uh, uh, looking, at, you know, into starting something, were you working for somebody else? Well, I had sort of an interesting thing because of at the time, again, living abroad, uh, I'd grown up in Santa Barbara and moved to Tokyo, as I said, around 1987 or so. And, uh, you know, you have your work visa issues and things like that. But I got involved in the advertising industry quickly enough that I needed to be sponsored by one of the big management companies there. And so they really were, you know, they sponsored my visa and I I worked for them, but it was, it was kind of like, basically, if your agent were to hold your, your visa and your agent were to be your boss, as it were. Uh, so they would send me out on jobs and I would go into various studios and we would create, uh, really interesting stuff. Um, but out of that, interestingly enough, before uh, I got into computers, I finally branched off from them and started my own management company there. So I, I sort of had some type of little entrepreneurial spirit going on before that because we would get calls uh, and they would say, well, we really like Michael but or Mick. My full name is Michael. Um, but can you send someone who sounds kind of like him, but different? <laughs> nice. So, That's great. You know, so rather than hang up the phone and go, oh, sorry, we can't help you. Uh, you know, we started, we, I knew most of the talent in town. And so we would, we would start sending other people out. We would start managing them and representing them. Um, so that company was called G-Man Productions and did very well until the time I, I was ready to come back to the States. And I, I sold it to a business partner at the time. And I think it may still be churning along. It's been quite a while. That's about 20 years ago. So, that's awesome. So you, it seems like you made that transition from, you know, employee to uh, at least self-employed or employer, uh, you know, went pretty smooth for you. Yeah, it did. You know, you, you always learn something when you're being managed or, you know, you have a boss. Uh, there's always that sense that, you know, as an employee, you know, well, if when I get my own company or when I do my own thing, I'm going to do it differently. 
And, uh, you know, it's sort of like how you manage your time as an employee versus how you manage your time as a business owner are very different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your, your incentive to manage your time well as a business owner is obviously very, very high for an hourly employee, even a full-time employee. It's not quite the same. So as I transitioned into that and started hiring employees, one of the big uh, issues that I had to work with was how to incentivize my employees so that they had sort of the same enthusiasm to be productive and to bring in more business as I did and find some sort of way to, to kind of profit share with them and uh, incentivize them so that, you know, again, they were they were being kind of closer to how they would be as an as an owner. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. Th- yeah, great that's idea. a huge thing, right? Because you, you have to uh, or you don't have to. Uh, but getting I've always said getting your employees um, incentivized to do the things that make you all money is the key. Right. right? And it, it's very right. easy in some professions like sales. Right. You know, it's like, awesome. I'll, you know, I'll give you a commission sold. Right. That's it. But it 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 gets a little different when people are doing jobs that are a little more, uh, you know, removed from, you know, one step removed from the, you know, right. I brought cash in process. Yeah. Right. Right. And what was interesting for me is that over the years of having many different employees, each person, almost every person I've ever hired has been motivated by something slightly different and many of them not by money. Yeah, I I would agree with you there. It it is a, uh, I mean, it's the first thing you think of, but uh, it only goes so far, you know, and I don't know, there's, there's probably some, you know, hierarchy of needs, uh, you know, thing that you Maslow. can say, yeah, Maslow's hierarchies. Uh, right. But, uh, you know, I, I always comment, you know, you can't make people happy. You can only give them the opportunity to be happy and to do mm-hmm. it themselves. And I, I would totally agree with you. And uh, how do you fi- find out what it is that really is motivating them? I, w- I would, you know, put out there uh, trying different things or what have you, what have you done? You know, it's that is that is the $64,000 question, I I have to say. And, you know, I'm I'm a fairly verbal person, so we'll have a lot of conversations. Sometimes, you know, I'll even give an employee a choice. Well, would you like an hourly raise or would you like more responsibility? Would you like your name on the letterhead or some type of respect sort of threshold? Or would you like, you know, bigger commissions when you actually land a job and things like that? But what's weird, especially because most of the people I hire tend to be in their 20s and 30s. A lot of this generation is not again, my uh, anecdotal experience with this generation is 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 not really clear what what motivates them. But it's been very, very surprising that, you know, I can give somebody a big raise and they're like, oh, OK, thanks. You know, <laughs> and we're like, well, gosh, you know, yeah. what is it? Do I bring in oranges or a goat or what What do you want? You know, tell me what you want. And I'll, I'll do it. Do you find yeah, that yeah. with the people in their 20s and 30s that respect and and recognition is more valuable to them than simply more money? I think, well, the, what I've learned is that I, I, it's very, very hard to generalize okay. and that I have to really meet each person and each employee and find out. 
Um, that being said, what I've noticed about this generation, because I'm in my 50s, I'm a 50-something guy, uh, and what I've noticed in this generation is that they appear, again, I'm going to say anecdotal experience, from my limited or anecdotal experience, I find that they're not as willing to work at a job where they make a lot of money, but they're not that happy for very long. Uh, which is interesting. Like for me, I was so happy to have a job in my twenties, you know, and, and if I could get a little more money from it, it was great. And, and I was more attached to, wow, I've got bills to pay. I've got things to take care of. Even if this job is hard and I don't like it and my boss is a jerk, I'm going to keep doing it until I can find something better. Uh, but I don't get that as much from this yeah. generation. I'm, and I'm not, I'm not sure why. One of my biggest struggles as a, as a big business owner has been, that I immediately project onto uh, anybody I hire, you know, my employees, anybody I'm managing uh, my own desires. Right. And it's like, well, if I were in, if I were in your shoes, here's what I want. So let me give right. it to you. Right. I of mean, course, it, and, it's, and it's, it's all very altruistic, but it, when you do that, it often fails miserably because right. that's not, you know, there, there's a reason they're in their shoes and you're in your shoes. Right. Um, right. And it's sort of, I think Dave, it's also sort of like that thing where it's sort of the, the flaw in the golden rule, you know, the golden rule give unto others as you know, you would have them give unto you. But the real, the real rule is, you know, do or give unto others as they would have you give unto them. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. it's that, it's that, it's that extra layer of, Hey, what is it that really makes you tick? What makes you feel great? Wake up in the morning and go, wow, I'm going to work today. Find out what that is. And that's what you give. Even if it's not the thing that thrills you. That's yeah. right. I, it, 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 go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm always shocked when people say, Oh yeah, you know, I don't need more money. I really like the flexibility or I, I, I love that I got I, a, uh, you yeah. know, a, a promotion in title. It's like, Oh, Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. And, and I, <laughs> yeah. I think the, uh, it also, what it speaks to is being connected with your employees and, mm -hmm. and really having those conversations where, you know, uh, sitting down with them once a year to do a review, I think is kind of a complete waste of time. If you haven't mm -hmm. talked with them about where they're going, you know, during the year and, and you really need to sit down. So, so you can at least, uh, have some sense of like, wow, what, what this person really wants is more autonomy or man, right. this guy's late every day. Let right. me give him, look, don't come to work at eight, come at eight 30. You know, mm -hmm. of course then that guy probably shows up at eight 45, but you know, <laughs> you, you try to give them that little bits of, uh, you know, whatever it is, it is like you say, it's going to, going to make them, you know, I, I hate to use the word happier, but it give them more from the job, I guess. Well, for me, uh, Shannon, that sort of that sort of segues into one of the things that I I I have still struggled to manage, both with clients and employees, which is sort of this issue of boundaries. Um, with an employee, you know, at a certain point, you can absolutely. Uh, fall in love with an employee and what they're doing for your business and how they're performing. And at that point, you know, there's sort of a decision to be made, like where, how, what is the distance between us? You know, do I, you know, do I show up at his wedding? Like I had an employee got married <laughs> recently, you know, do, yeah. do I do that? Do we, you know, where, how, 
how do we manage? Because there always has to be some distance in all relationships. And, you know, on the other side of that is keeping a certain amount of distance between you and your clients or your customers that works best for the business, works best for you, and also works best for the the customer. So those two issues, like how, what space is between you and your employees? Because I think you're absolutely right. If you only sit down with them once a year, they're not going to know you, you know, they're, they're going to have all kinds of stories in their head. Oh, Shannon's too busy to sit down with me, you know, so he's got his thing going, that guy's a millionaire boy. He's making all kinds of money, you know, and, and you can sit down and say, you know what, I've, I've, you know, do you share with an employee in that point? Actually, we've had a really tough month this month, you know, we got, we got hit with this and we got stuck with a lot of inventory or, you know, our accountant says, you know, we might have to do an audit or, oh, you know, all this stuff. So for me, it's always that, you know, that, that question of how, how much do I share with an employee to endear them and to feed a healthy business relationship with them? And how far back do I stand as well to serve that same need? Yeah. And I think that 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 transparency usually serves you very well. I mean, obviously, there's things about the business and all that kind of stuff that you don't want to I, mean, I guess, really burden them with, but mm-hmm. you do need to share that. Hey, here's what's going on. And this is why we're making these kinds of decisions. Cause I, and I, I like your, your comment. If you don't tell the story, they're going to put one together in their head. And usually it's not right. Right. Yeah. I think, I right. think that's great. That's, uh, yeah. that's some really good information. And, and I always tell my managers or when we, uh, you know, bring someone up and they get a promotion and now they're a supervisor or a manager. And I would say, you know, this is going to change your relationship. Uh, you can be, and you should be friendly, but you're probably not going to be friends. Right. With these people now that you're managing because everything changes. Right. Yeah. How do you, what do you do after work? You know, do you take them out for a drink, <laughs> or for dinner, you know, to, yeah. to bond? What sort of parties might you have, no matter how large your business is? You yeah. know, if you have three employees, do you yep. take them out for pizza once a month or, you know, and how do you manage that? It, it, and again, I don't know that there's a perfect science to it, sure. but it's, it's a constant uh, flow of information back and forth to pick the right, right way to be with those sorts of things. Yeah, I think and and the better you are at, at kind of reading, picking up what their needs are or what's really important to them, the the better it's going to be for you and for them because there's there's right. not going to be those surprises because some of the things that you think are great to to your point, Dave, scare the heck out of uh, somebody that's working. Like, no, 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 I don't want that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's not me, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you're like, wow, I would love to have all this freedom to do that. I'm like, no, no, I want you to give me a more detailed plan of what yeah. I'm doing each day. And that always shocks me, but right. I run into it frequently. Well, but it know? makes sense, right? I mean, you, you would have wanted that. And because that's you, you created an opportunity for yourself or took an opportunity that was presented to you or a combination of both that led you to being more autonomous and, and more in charge and now running the show. Right. You, you yeah. know, and, mm. and not every person on the planet aspires to do that. In fact, it, like you said, Shannon, it might scare the heck out of them. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. And I, that's I make okay. A There's nothing wrong. Yeah, in is. fact, that's a oh, really yeah. good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, nobody would work for you, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, seriously. And yeah, that's, yeah. That, I mean, yeah, that's, that's not a, that's not a snarky comment. It's just a, that's it's correct. an honest comment. Yeah. 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 I've, I've right. always shared a comment with 
people and I used to do it with everybody. It's like, Hey, you should always be training someone to take your job. And yes. in the beginning though, when I was a much younger business owner, I would see lots of panicked looks when I made that comment. And so yeah. now, you know, I kind of phrase it a little differently, but, but I think it's true. Right. You know, I have the thing that I've, I've said to almost everyone that I've hired, and I think this applies beyond the tech industry and everything, but I've always said to, you know, an employee, you know, at a certain point, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I want you to be the expert on what you are doing. And I want to come to you and say, Hey, what did you do on that job? And, and how did we fix that? I don't want to have to be because I can't pull back and work on my business. If I have to be the smartest person in my business all the time. And I, and I think it's, it, there's a certain amount of confidence involved as a business owner to allow your employees to really rise that way. But again, that can be a wonderful incentive for, uh, you know, new employees to really rise up and, and bond and feel like, you know, they're really doing something. Yeah, I agree. And, and we can only hope we, you know, find great people like that, that, that want to do that. And uh, that, that is, you know, that working on your business instead of in your business, you know, I, uh, it's such a powerful phrase that just encompasses, encompasses so much. So I, that, that's, that's fantastic. So let, let, let's talk about marketing for a few minutes. Cause you know, we, we've, it's great. We've got these people working for us, right? We're at this stage and, and, but how do you get your business into mix max? How do people find you? Well, uh, we are, you know, we're an Apple technology company. So, uh, the first, uh, I've had some very, you know, funny sort of anecdotal experiences, uh, you know, 10 years ago, we even experimented with putting a, an ad in the yellow pages, you know, the old paper book, <laughs> even though other people in town, you know, who had, had shared their experiences with that in this industry were saying, oh, no, 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 you don't want to do that. And I'm like, oh, come on, you know, and the irony was it was one of the most expensive things that we ever did for a year. And it just brought the wrong kinds of clients to us. It was it was such an interesting interesting disaster that I, I learned from it. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's just, I get it. I see why you don't do it. And, you know, we definitely paid more money for the ad than we ever made in terms of business and, uh, and grief. Uh, but these days, really how everyone finds us is, you know, they pull out their phone, they, they go, you know, Mac repair Santa Barbara and boom, we're one of the top one or two, uh, hits that they're going to get. So then instantly there's always a link, link to Yelp or reviews on Google or, uh, you know, straight to our website, something like that. And they'll hit those. Um, and that's, uh, that's the most common way that people find us. We would love it if most of our, uh, the new clients and, and folks who find us, if they actually got that through referrals. And we used to be a heavily, heavily referral based business, uh, for quite a while until the Apple store came to town. And that really wow. changed the metrics and the measure of, you know, what was there. All of a sudden you had Disneyland, you know, in the heart of town. With well, all yeah, the- that, that, that's a good point. And I, and I definitely would like to talk about that. How do, you know, cause we're, we're small business focused here. And so then you have the, you know, the, the 800 pound gorilla or whatever. <laughs> the multinational yeah, corporation. Show up. Yeah. <laughs> largest, largest company in the world shows up. In the yeah. world. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And, yeah. and now you're competing with them. So okay, let's talk about that for a few minutes. How do you, Cause I know we've talked in the past and you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a struggle sometimes, but certainly yeah. you've succeeded and have distinguished yourself in a different way 
Um, talk, talk about that if you will, for, for, well, well, I think Shannon, I think that's the key. You just use a very important word there. Just how do you distinguish yourself and what you were doing? How do you make what you were doing as a small business so unique and so attractive that you're not going out and pulling, uh, in fact, in, in our business, we call them clients rather than customers because my, uh, my sense of the word client is there's a deeper kind of relationship. There's a, a longer term commitment. You know, we're not looking for foot traffic. Traffic and somebody stumbles in and goes, hey, you know, how much are you going to charge for that? Which is always the worst question you can ever get as a small business person. And and we never answer that question right away. We get to know the person and go, oh, well, what's what's wrong? What's going on? So that's that's one of my my experiences. Just never answer the price question right off the bat. But um, if we you know, if we have these clients that are coming in. How do we share with them why we're a much better place to come as opposed to that giant multinational largest corporation in the world place where everybody thinks at least they're going to get a free ride? And and the way we do that is, uh, you know, is by distinguishing ourselves and saying, well, first of all, you're going to have a one on one relationship with who is working on, in this case, what is probably one of your most valuable pieces of equipment in your life in terms of what's on it. The data that's on it. It's totally different than working on your car, which is your lovely thing that you might use to commute to work. This thing is even more important because it has all of your data, all of our lives today in 2015. They're on our computers, they're on our, our iPhones, our devices, our iPads. So, you know, do you want to go to a shiny store where there'll be a new employee there every time you walk in? Or would you like going to somebody who you're going to know uh, instantly and have a very different kind of relationship. I mean, I want to, I want to use the word intimate without, you know, snickers or anything. It's it, but it is a more, it is a more intimate relationship. It's a one-on-one and you're not paying any extra for it. Now, the other things that we did, we realized where, I mean, you always, you need to look at your competition, no matter what you do. It doesn't matter if they're a, a multi, almost $1 trillion corporation that you're working against, or they're just another small business in town, you need to look at their weaknesses and you need to hear what others are saying about their weaknesses. And one of the things that we hear again and again about where people try to go get help in the big, beautiful Apple store in town is that they feel like a number. They feel like it, there's lights and, and there's noise and, and, and they, they don't feel quite as taken care of. And that, that's not true for everyone. And I'm, I'm not here to to ding the sure. Apple store. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, what they do, they do really, really well. But the story that we want to tell is the Apple store's main job is to sell brand new equipment. Our job is to help you keep that equipment vibrant, alive and functioning as long as possible. So you don't have to go back and buy brand new equipment every two or three years. You might have a, you know, a seven to eight year arc on your, on your, uh, the life of your equipment. So it's, it's forming that personal relationship. It's using what we are. We're small. So we're personable. You actually get more time with us. Um, and using that as a plus rather than a minus. Yeah, that's great. I I think those are all really, really good, valuable tips. Um, and you know, one of the things you mentioned earlier too, on your marketing was reviews and things like that. And, do you specifically ask your customers to do reviews or have you come up with another way to encourage them to do those reviews? How do you handle that? 
Well, uh, as you know, too, with your business as well, the whole online reviews thing has just become monstrous in the last <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. I mean, you know, it is a very sharp double-edged sword. Um, you know, it used to be that was a simple thing. You could say, hey, you know, if you really like what happened today, you know, go to Google and leave us a review or whatever. And we had dozens and dozens of people that did that. And then Yelp came along. And Yelp really changed the whole paradigm of what was happening uh, because they became the gatekeeper for what good reviews they would show and what good reviews they would hide. Mm. And it it completely changed the landscape. And I, I know of some very good businesses in town, restaurants, florists, things like that, who who have, you know, like a two and a half star Yelp review when they deserve a four and a half or a five. And it's it's truly changed. And Yelp is very, very insistent about, uh, you know, you cannot ask your your customers or your clients to go leave a review for you there. Right. Uh, who knows what everybody does? But they you know, we have a we have a wonderful Yelp page, which I'm very proud of. And we don't we have resisted the calls from them to advertise with them because, in a way, I feel like that keeps them honest. Sure. <laughs> and it keeps us honest. Why should we pay you money? For, you know, a review site that you're going to advertise when, you know, our organic Google results are already great. And if we're doing the right thing, then our Yelp reviews should be great, too. But but it's a, it's a spiky fruit. Yeah. That low hanging Yelp fruit. It's, I like that. Spiky, spiky fruit. fruit. <laughs> <laughs> That's very nice. I'm going to say that the next time the Yelp guy calls to sell. advertising. <laughs> I know. Put them off. Put them off. Put them off. Yeah. You know, I'm getting an operation. Can you come back in six months? You know, and whatever you can do. Yeah, that's great. And then another thing you mentioned that I, I thought was, uh, you know, worth exploring is when you first try, you know, you're trying some yellow pages advertising and all that stuff. And, you know, I used to do that too. You, you made a comment that, that you, it attracted the type of customer you didn't want. And I think for, especially business owners getting started that are, you know, looking for every dollar that comes in the door right. and maybe right. they don't have the, the, understanding yet of how some customers are very expensive and not very profitable. Mm -hmm. Tell us what you mean by the, it brought the wrong type of customer. Well, I think it was you at one point. I remember we were having a conversation many years ago and you can correct my quote if I'm right. You said at one point, one of the business school uh, uh, sort of sayings was you can do three things in a business. (laughs) You can be the fastest, the cheapest, or the best in terms of like expertise or something like that, but you can only choose two. Right. So which two do you choose? And everybody goes, well, you know, i definitely want to be fast and I want to be good and it doesn't serve me to be the cheapest. So uh, at least that was certainly the decision that we made, uh, you know, economies of scale being what they are, you know, we are a low volume, higher margin business as you know, opposed to Costco or Walmart, you know, which would be flipping that or even Amazon. So once we knew that that's where our focus was going to be, we realized that we didn't want clients coming in who all they were concerned about were discounts, 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 let's low, low, low. And because the trust wasn't there. And in our business, we really needed our clients to trust us. It's like it's like going to a therapist or a doctor or a lawyer or even your accountant and not telling them the whole story. You know, how can they help you 
if they don't know, you know, all the dirty details of what's going on in your books or your life or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I feel like we're kind of the same in our business. We really need to know what happened to this computer before it came in. Will you please trust us to do our best work? And we're going to, we're on your side. But it was interesting. There was a correlation between the people who were trying to find the cheapest work that they could get done and their level of trust for the people doing it. So we learned very early on that these, these are just not our clients. Um, I found this book called um, Book Yourself Solid. I don't know if you've heard of that book. No. I, can, I wish I could remember the author's name. Uh, and it was a wonderful book to read. Uh, right around the time that the Apple Store rolled into town, we started doing a lot of marketing research and thinking, well, we're not going to get all of our clients through referrals right now. So what type of media and marketing do we want to do? And this book had the wonderful analogy, I think in chapter one or two, called the velvet rope philosophy. And he said, really, what if if young small businesses could pick this up early on, uh, and it's in tandem with what you said earlier, Shannon, that really your business is like an exclusive club, and you really want the best clients that you have, you know, that you remove the velvet rope and you let them in. And there's some that you don't let in. Yeah. And what that leads to ultimately is learning how to say no to a client that, you know, is I forget the phrase you used. It was really, really great. Consume all your energy and don't really bring any profit in or something. Right. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, they, so that was really helpful moving forward. And if I were to go back in time, I would absolutely, I would just trust, you know, trust the universe or whatever I had to trust that the good ones will show up. You know, it's sort of like the Kevin Costner film. If you build it, they will come. If you build that business with high integrity and really great service and, and speed and just good, good stuff, eventually people are going to hear about it and they're going to want to work with you regardless of what your business is. I think yeah, you hit great. on a key word and you glossed over it there. And I know it's important to you. And that's the high integrity right there. You, you, mm -hmm. There's no way that the good customers are going to continue to come if you don't have that as the foundation. You need all the other things, right. too. Right. But the high integrity, man, that's to me, that's the key. Right. Because people, even if they they don't think they pay attention to that, which most people probably think they do anyway. But it's it's a mm -hmm. you know, it resonates with people. It really does. Yeah, they pick it up. I mean, you're, you in, in everything you do from the moment they start interacting with you, like you said, building that trust over time. And, right. Uh, uh, that's that's for sure. And and if you if you build that foundation with that trust and integrity, organically, your business is going to is, you know, it, it will grow. Uh, maybe it's right. not as fast as you, you know, I mean, my, my right. thing has always been, how do we do it faster? How do we do it? And, and you just kind of right. have to trust the, to your point trust that it's going to come. You're going to get rewarded and, you know, mm -hmm. you constantly have to analyze what you're doing, but uh, you know, I love that club analogy. You know, the customer has spent a lot of time deciding which business to go to amongst, you know, all your competitors. Well, mm -hmm. at the same time, you probably should be thinking about whether to take that customer, whether, whether you have a fit for that customer and uh, we, we do it all the time. And right. you know, as one of the things that's happened in the you know, last year or so, and uh, maybe a little longer, as the products that we service have gotten more complex, we've stopped doing free diagnosis because uh, it just takes too long. And mm -hmm. over time, some customers, oh, no problem. I understand it. You know, 
diagnosis uh, price goes towards a repair if you do one. But some right. people right up front, oh, there's just, I'm not going to do it. And that's okay. And you go, oh, here, I'll mm-hmm. give you a referral, somebody down the street. No problem. Right. Yeah. That's right. And, and that's a sense of confidence, I think, that, that I wish I'd had early on in my business of really, not only does the customer have to trust you, but we as business owners have to trust ourselves and trust what we're doing. I mean, really believe in our vision, our vision of integrity, to use, again, my word that Dave picked up as well, um, you know, to really believe that we're doing something right. We're providing something that is really unique enough. It's not there in our local marketplace or whatever our marketplace is and that people will eventually learn about it. People talk and they will eventually hear about it through one means or another. And when you get them and they're the right match for the business, keep them forever. Keep them happy for for the life of the business. That's awesome. So talking about that, you know, uh, if you could tell yourself things when you started, you know, one thing, I mean, one of the questions that we always ask uh, is if you could go back Looking back now at the vast experience that you've had uh, running a successful company, what what critical piece of advice would you tell yourself uh, based on where you're at right now? Oh, that one's so easy. You know, I would go back in time and I would say, Mick, it's not important to be right. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. It will get you in more trouble with your clients and your customers than anything else. And, you know, if, if I really, and I, I'm quite serious that if I could go back in time, because we're working in a, in a very highly technical area and, and quite honestly, we're, you know, when we say something or we do something or we, you know, do a type of repair or suggest a you know, course of action, we're almost always right. 95% of the time, you know, every now and then we make mistakes, but that's our job. Anybody who is a professional, who is a master or an expert in their field will understand that. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't connect you with that customer or that client. If they feel that you are wrong or that, or you have done something that they don't like, even if you did it for all the right reasons, I would go back and I would tell Mick of 10 years ago, do whatever you can to make that right, to make the relationship right, even at the cost of being wrong. And I, you know, it's so hard because I grew up in a, in a society and a culture where all being right is everything. But, you know, you can, you know, as my wife says, you can be right or you can be connected. And even if you have to fire that customer or that client later on through very polite means and say, you know, I think we're probably not a good match for each other. You seem to want a certain kind of uh, attention or, or uh, type of service that we're just not able to provide. Even if that's going to be the ultimate outcome, going in and repairing that before it becomes a horrific review on Yelp or something blows up. I I just boy, I would have I would have slept many more nights if I could have just taken that message to heart. Well, it you know, and and I I go by full circle. You made a comment earlier about uh, wanting your employees to be, you know, you didn't want to be the smartest person in the room. Right. Right. Well, it's almost you could say the same with your your customer. You kind of they need to feel like they're sometimes they're the smartest person in the room. And maybe you have to let them have that, you know, once in a while. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, when, th- when things go south and there's somebody that's unhappy, because it's just impossible, whatever your business is. Oh, yeah. You know, you, know, you may have a wonderful high, like 95% of everybody, 97% of everyone who walks through the door is happy, they love you, or they're or at least satisfied with what you do. But boy, if those 3% are unhappy and they start consuming 50% of your thought process throughout a week, you got to do something to put that fire out as soon as possible. Yeah. Very good advice. Well, hey, man. Uh, That's we really sage appreciate- advice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Like and, then, and then sage. And burn some sage and stage yeah. the room when they're gone. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And it's the, I mean, that's the only way that advice can come, right? You, you know, the, the, it, yeah. you could go back in time and tell Mick, it's not important to be right. But what he would tell you is you're wrong. Right. I mean, you, right. <laughs> you have to learn that lesson. I think. In a way. I know. Yeah. 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 That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> well, man, there's some really good, right. uh, uh, stuff that, you know, hear about with your experience. It's, I, I really appreciate you spending some time with us today. And, you know, what's the best way for, for people to learn about your, your company? You know, our, uh, our, our website seems to be this wonderful storefront that people find whenever they, you know, we we cover all of Santa Barbara County. We're just, you know, a, a few hours South of you, Shannon. Yep. Um, and, uh, and as I've said, you know, we have just been really lucky or blessed or whatever the, the perfect analogy is that, you know, when you Google Apple repair or Mac repair or Mac support or Apple support, we're always above the fold. We're always one of the top two or three in the market. And, uh, and we're really blessed, uh, to have an excellent Yelp profile right now. Uh, which people seem to believe. Sure. Well, it <laughs> you know? goes goes back to your, uh, like Dave was talking about your integrity and the trust you've built mm-hmm. over time with your customers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard work, but well worth it. Awesome. Dave, you have any more questions for, uh, for Mick today? I don't Mick. this has been awesome, man. It's um, uh, yeah, you've, you've had, you've got a great history and a great experience and, and you're aware of it and that's awesome. So thank yeah. you for coming on the show, man. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome. I, I really, you know, if any other small business owners are listening to this, I just, you know, I really applaud them. The entrepreneurial spirit, I think, in any country, but in this country as well. It's uh, if you read statistics, more and more people are starting to work for themselves, I think, than ever before in our economy. I, I don't quote me on that, but uh, it's. It's a really it's a it's a wonderful, fascinating, interesting way to, you know, pay your mortgage. And uh, it's just full of life lessons. It's so interesting. I I started, a you know, I've started businesses thinking, OK, you know, it's just going to be about paying the bills and doing what I love to do and making money. But I walk away with, you know, interesting philosophical bents on life that I end up applying to other areas of my life uh, that have been very positive in the end. Oh, that's great. Uh, uh, some really, uh, you know, good stuff for uh, everybody out there running the business. So we, uh, we appreciate your time today and uh, yeah, you bet. And thanks for joining us today, folks. And uh, we'll be back with you next week. See you next week.